0: Amen. All right, well, it's week five of Ruth and Redemption, and it's probably the most difficult week to teach to you from the scriptures because aside from a good cultural understanding of of where they were at here in in Bethlehem, frankly, Ruth looks a little scandalous today. And so we're going to look at Ruth chapter three. Three And Ruth kind of comes across a little scandalous So this should be rather interesting And, and for the dads here, especially the dads of girls We're going to touch on a little bit This idea of breaking out your muscle shirts And polishing your baseball bat And uh, being prepared when some high school punk Comes at your daughter with pickup lines He's been working on on the school bus You know what I'm talking about So it's going to be really interesting today And so let me get all of us up to, up to speed here And, and, and kind of what's been going on in the book of Ruth we're in what's called the period of the judges again if you want to know anything about the judges if you want to study a little more go even deeper go one book previous to this prior to this and look at the book of judges and you'll see that they're just in this vicious wicked cycle of just sin and rebellion and and so God's judgment has been on his people in Bethlehem there's been a famine it's basically what he's doing is saying wake up I want your attention. I love you. If you follow me, it's a better way. And so he's getting their attention in Bethlehem. And, and, and so people are having trouble putting food on the table for their family. And so this guy, we zone into this guy. His name is Elimelech. He's married to this lady named Naomi. And then we meet their, their children, Malon and, and Kilion. And, and we see that they're, they're put in a position where they have to make a decision. Will we stay in Bethlehem? where we're starving and, and people are having trouble surviving? Or will we move to Boab, uh, Moab, where it's just 50 miles away and, and needs are, are being met and there's food? And, and Elimelech makes a decision. It seems like a good decision. I'm going to move to Moab. I'm going to bring my family to Moab. But what happens in Moab, because it was a bad decision, because a Moab is not a place where God's people should be, in Moab, Elimelech dies. His sons then go on to marry Moabite women, who they clearly should not be married to. And then the sons go on to die and leaves Naomi as a widow in this foreign land where she's the only God-worshipping, God-fearing person. And now she's, she's connected to these two ladies, these Moabite daughter-in-laws of hers. And so we, we read that while in the fields of, of, of Moab, she catches wind that, that God has removed the famine in Bethlehem, that people are now eating and, and they're being taken care of. In that way. And so what happens is Naomi says, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back where the food is. I'm gonna go back there where my people are. And so she goes back. And on the road to Bethlehem, Naomi stops and turns to her two daughters in law. She says, Girls, you can't come with me. These guys are not gonna marry you over there. You're a you're a foreigner, they're not gonna accept you. You just you go back, you have a better chance of making it back in in Moab. You're a widow, but you'll make it back in Moab. And so she insists. Orpah says, Okay. I'll go back. This beautiful, wonderful daughter-in-law named Ruth says, no no way. I'm going with you. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I will be with you. I will support you. I'm there. And what we see is is really Ruth's uh, conversion experience. She says, I'm following your God no matter what. I'm going. It's a great step of faith because there was high risk and there was a lot of potential for rejection in Bethlehem, but she goes. And so when they get there, Naomi is just bitter she's she's bitter she says my name means sweetheart naomi we don't call me naomi anymore call me mara which means bitter she's upset but what's what she's doing which is a beautiful thing is she's actually opening up to her her god worshiping god fearing friends and saying here's where i'm at in life i got a lot of questions i'm really upset with god she opens up and though her theology was bad she blamed it on god her her heart in opening up and sharing with her friends her church was a really beautiful thing, and so we should learn from Naomi in that that we should open our hearts up to the people that are here, get to know them more when you struggle, struggle alongside of, of God's people. And so it was a difficult time for Naomi and her now daughter-in-law living with her Ruth. But God, and I love those words in scripture, but God, but God brings this guy, Boaz, into the picture. And he's he's the hero of the story. And so we've been looking at Boaz a little bit. We see that Boaz is godly we see that Boaz is financially secure we see that Boaz is is compassionate he's looking out and concerned for the needs of others and ladies look out Boaz is single we find out so this is good and then we find out that Boaz is a relative of Ruth and Naomi's deceased husbands which makes him eligible to be what is known as a kinsman redeemer according to the old testament laws he could marry Ruth he could take care of Ruth he could take care of Naomi he could be there Redeemer, We've seen that Boaz is just a wonderful illustration of who Christ is for us. It's a beautiful book, beautiful book. We love Ruth here. And so there's a lot of potential. Now, ladies, I want you to do something for me here. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Ruth, put yourself in the shoes of Naomi. And, and you girls are our relationship experts. The guys in the room are probably a little bit clueless when it comes to this stuff. But let me ask you, ladies, is, uh, is Boaz dropping hence... We, we, looked at, we looked at chapter three, or chapter uh, two last week. And, and is, is Boaz dropping hints here? Let's just kind of review um, what Boaz says. And I just, want, is he dropping hints, or is Naomi and, and Ruth reading too much into this? Let's, let's reflect a little bit on chapter two. Boaz graciously allows Ruth to glean in his fields, or, or take the leftovers of, of the fields. He goes on and he says, now now, stay here. Don't go anywhere else. I would like you to stay here. Why don't you stay here around my people, around my field? So he gives her job security. It's a wonderful thing. Then he goes on and he tells her, stay near my female employees. And that's a really great thing because she's a foreigner, probably is having a lot of difficulty making friends. He says, stay near my female employees. I'm giving you friends. I'm giving you a support system. Wonderful. Then he pulls the guys aside He says, all right, guys. Don't touch her. Stay away from her. Wonderful thing. Is, is he dropping hands? I don't know. He gives her protection. And then he says, all right, guys, I want you to get water for her. Constantly make sure she's hydrated. Now, in that culture, the girls drew the water for the men. He says, men, you're going to give her water. So he's given her honor as well. So food, job security, friends, protection, Honor, and then this was wonderful. He compliments her. He starts to talk about all the all the nice things that she's done for Naomi, her her mother-in-law. And, and I don't know, ladies, have you ever had a guy? Maybe if you're if you're married now, reflect back to your single days and when your husband was first trying to win you over, and uh, he was complimenting you. You remember those kind of awkward and goofy? You know, uh, y- your hair is nice. I, I like your hair. Or, boy, your eyes are beautiful, brown like bark stuff. Yeah, it's just, you know, so he compliments her and it's just it's wonderful and and then he goes so far as to invite her over for dinner and he says, "I want you to come have dinner with me and my employees." And he gives her great food, he provides for her. And and then when she gets up to go back to work. This is an image of how much of a, a godly hard-working girl this 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 Ruth was. She got up after dinner and went back to work. And when Boaz sees her go back to work, he calls his male employees over he says, "All right, guys, I want you to start leaving her gifts for me. I want you to start taking bundles, sheaves of, of, of barley, and I want you to leave it for her. So he starts to give her, her her gifts, and this is all in one day. I mean, this is a big deal, all in, all in one day. And, and, and then she goes home after this one day to tell Naomi, her, her mother-in-law, what's going on. And you can just imagine these girls, you know, getting all giddy together, yeah. wonderful they're just so you know they're just so excited and and Ruth tells Naomi listen I met this guy and his name is Boaz and, and name Boaz. Are you kidding me? He's 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 one of the eligible bachelors. This is wonderful. And so she said, I met this guy named Boaz, and he's just so wonderful. Girls, you've been here, right? He's so wonderful, and he loves the Lord. And he he told me to stay around, and and he he complimented me, and he invited me over for dinner, and then he started to leave me great gifts. He's just wonderful. And then it says at the end of chapter two, if you want to look look there again, at the end of chapter two, it says that that. They're now at the end of, of barley and wheat harvest. And, and this, could have been, this could have been several weeks. I mean, probably upwards of seven weeks that she's been working now after that one wonderful day. And notice, getting into chapter 3, we hear nothing from, from Boaz. So ladies, what's the verdict? A wonderful, awesome first date. But then seven weeks and you hear nothing? I I don't. I don't know, ladies. What do you think? Is it is it time for the DTR to find the relationship? Right. This is a this is a big deal. And uh, now, chapter three. What we have here in chapter three is is Naomi's advice to Ruth and Ruth's execution of Naomi's advice. Ladies, you've never done this, right? You never get together with your friend, and you talk about, okay, so there's this guy, what do I do, what do I say, should I, I don't want to be too pushy, what do I, and so they're, they're, they're getting together and they're talking about, okay, what do I do, how do I put myself out there and let him know that, that he needs to step it up, and so chapter three, if you flip there, Ruth chapter three is Naomi's advice, and let's read it, chapter three, one through five. And then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you I will do. Did you get that? It's, it's an interesting, quite an interesting plan. And I, I we're going to break that plan down and just kind of understand that a little better. But first, I just want you to notice again verse 1. Look what Naomi wants for Ruth. She says, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you. Listen, Naomi cares for Ruth. She loves Ruth. They've been through three funerals together. It's just this, this wonderful relationship. Ruth has said, I'm with you till you die. I am, I am absolutely with you. And this, this whole plan that is kind of crazy of Naomi's is for the purpose of Ruth finding rest. Other translations say that she can find home this is talking about security, about stability, about finding love, about finding support now it 's father's day, and so I want to talk to the dads for a while if I can and, and ladies hear me out as well as you can be supportive in this, but hub, husbands and fathers and and someday husbands and, and, and guys who will someday be, be fathers. this is a good picture of what your home should be. This is a really great picture of what your home should be your home should be a place of rest. That's what she wants for her her daughter-in-law, that she would have a place of rest, a home, security, love, support. And and, and guys, you need to, to work hard to really create a home, to create a family atmosphere where your wife and your kids feel secure, a place where they know they will be loved, a place they know they will be cared for, uh, a family where they will be protected. They will, they will know that in this family, they've got me. He's got me. He's protecting me. I am cared for, loved, and I am, I am secure. And, and maybe some of you, you men in here have a great example of that from your childhood in your father. But it, it's probably pretty likely that, that most, many, do not. So we, we need help we need help. We need help from godly men. Do not be afraid to ask advice from other men that you trust who are godly and and follow the Lord. Maybe you want to look in scripture to guys like Boaz. You want to look in scripture to to other guys and follow their example. You obviously want to look in scripture to God who's called God the Father, the perfect image of what a, a father should be. But you want to create a home, a family that is secure, that is a place of rest. That means that that at home, in the arms of the husband, at home in the arms of, of the daddy, is a place where the wife can come home and, and she can be with him and she can know that she is cared for, that she is completely supported 100%, that she knows that she can share her heart and her confidence will not be betrayed. I just can't imagine when a guy talks to me about the negative things about his wife. Her confidence would not be uh, betrayed and she needs to be confident of that. And, and absolutely the same with the children. That the children can share that and they can know that they will be heard and, and that they will not be laughed at but they will be embraced. Home is a place where, where kids come and they get affection like no other place. And if they don't get that affection at home, they will go somewhere else to find it. They will go back to school and find that little middle school punk again and they will find affection from him. And so home has to be that place. Home has to be the place where emotional, spiritual, physical needs, they're all met and they're all met together. And the Bible speaks out a lot against this thing called slothfulness, against laziness. And I think for... For, for many of us men, when we think provision, when we think creating security, we think financial, physical needs being met. But listen, we can't be slothful or lazy either when it comes to spiritual and emotional needs. And I think that's probably most common in the church us guys can say, well, I'm providing. There's a wonderful house. Bills are being paid. They have a place to, to live, clothes, food. They're all set. We can't be lazy. We have to create security emotionally and spiritually as well. I know we're all tired when we come home from work, and all we want to do is, is just veg out. But on your ride home from work, you should not be shutting down, but you should be cranking up because your bigger field, your bigger job is when you get home. You've got 18 years with your children, and then they're off. And you better make every second count, because if you don't, you, you are going to regret it. And I promise you that when you drop your kids off at college, you're not going to say, man, I wish I watched more football. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So, so be with your kids. Play with your kids. Go on walks with your kids. Go to ice cream with your kids. Have daddy dates. Always spend time with your kids. Snuggle with the girls. Wrestle with the boys. Just Body slam those little dudes. I have to do that all the time. Keep them straight. Let them know who's boss. Tell bedtime stories. Love on your kids. Play with your kids. Create as many family traditions as you possibly can can make. Tradition in the family is a beautiful, wonderful thing because for kids, it's security. For kids, it's it's memory that I know that every Christmas we're going to do this. And as cheesy as it is, dad's going to do this. And then my family tradition for Christmas was... Was my, my parents did this little thing where they'd read the Christmas story, and then we would take baby Jesus. He, he all, all Christmas season long, he wasn't in the manger. And then we'd go and put him in the manger. On And I thought it was the hokiest thing ever. But now, you know what? That was beautiful. We knew it was coming. Create as many wonderful family traditions as, as possible. Play with your kids. Be with your kids. Also, pastor your kids, Dad. We have to pastor our kids. You are the pastor of your family. I'm not the pastor of your family. First and foremost, you are are the pastor of your your family, your little churches. As Ben read earlier in Deuteronomy 6, I love it constantly. Several times in Deuteronomy chapter 6, all throughout the scriptures, gives this illustration of threes. You and your son and your son's son. And so we're passing this along. It's this discipleship method also seen in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, or 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul talks about passing things that have been entrusted to you on and on and on and on and on. We are first to do that, as it says in Deuteronomy 6, with our, our children. It's just this beautiful picture. We are to do this. And so we pastor our family by, by reading the Bible to them. And we have to get creative with our children. We have to find age-appropriate Bible lessons. Maybe Bible translations that work for them. If you have young children, we're, we're working through this great, great one that I'll, I'll recommend to you. It's called the Big Picture Story Bible. It just really gives the whole gospel from creation to revelation. It's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. We use it. You have to get creative. Read the Bible to them. You need to pray for them. Not only pray for them every day, but pray with them every day. Teach them the truths of the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 6, some of the things that it says, it says that you are to teach God's word diligently to your children. Let that word diligently sink in. Is, does diligently describe you? Diligently? Or, or does it maybe for you a little more passively? It says when you, when you sit in your home, which means when you're at home, you have this, you, you've created this time where you're at home and you're teaching the Bible to your family. You're opening God's word with, with your, your wife and with your kids, and you have this, this Bible tradition. For us, we like to do this before the, be, the boys go to bed. We, we, we tell them a Bible story or we we'll read them the Bible. I do that with Isaiah uh, almost every morning, read the Bible with him. You create this Bible teaching tradition. And then it goes on, it says, when you walk by the way, has been read in Deuteronomy chapter 6. That means when you're, when you're doing whatever it is you do throughout the course of the day, you're teaching your kids. From the scriptures, uh, a few months ago, when it was still cold, uh, my my son Isaiah and I we were out and we were running some errands, and as we were going along, there was a big nor'easter coming, and so it was going to be really, really cold and really just a brutal, brutal weekend. And, uh, and and so we, as we're we're going along doing our errands, we see this lady on the side of the road and she's begging for change, and so Isaiah and I stopped and, w- and I I spoke to her for a little while. And we made sure that, that she had a place to go, a shelter that she was going to stay in during the Nor'easter. And then we helped her get some dinner. And then when it was over, I spent some time with my son Isaiah talking to him a little bit about, hey, that's what Jesus did. When Jesus was on this earth, he took care of people with, with great needs. He helped people and, and took care of them. And that is Deuteronomy 6, walking by Way and so we need to teach our, our children diligently and dads we have just we've got to do this we've got to create a place of rest a place of security not just physically but emotionally love affection snuggling and spiritually where we are the pastor of our family we have 18 years so we need to get busy we need to get busy if, if you've got a late start don't don't sulk in that. But get busy. Get busy. Satan likes to use guilt to, to hold you from moving forward. So if you're, you, know, you have five years, two years, one year left, still get busy. 18 years, make it count. And then, here's the thing, that's only 18 years. It's only 18 years. But if God chooses to give us long life, we could have upwards of three times that many years with our wives. And so we have to get busy there with our wives as well. And everything that that we've said about the children here applies to our spouses. Absolutely applies to our spouses. I remember when I was a freshman in college, I started to notice this crazy phenomenon. My freshman year of college, I started to notice a lot of my my friend's parents started getting divorced. And and it took me a little while to to really figure out what was going on, and then it clicked. Those those guys are my age, and I just left my family, left my parents back at home. And, And what happened was as, as children started leaving the house, parents started getting divorced because they were the glue that held everything together. And all the attention was focused on the children, the children, the children. And there was no attention given to the marriage. And so when the, the children was gone, there was no substance left in, in the marriage. And so we have to work hard, not only on our children. That comes a little more naturally. but We have to work really hard on our marriage. We also have to pray for our spouses Pray daily with our spouses. Schedule the the regular regular date nights with our spouses. If if we don't have any money for babysitters, talk to some of your friends and say, Hey, we'll we'll take your kids once a month. You take our kids once a month. We'll make it happen. You don't have any money even to go on a date. Then let's just say let's go to the park. Let's have a picnic, guys. This is going to be really hard for you, but you have to get creative, right? Make it happen. Regular date nights. Read the scriptures together. Make a tradition of that. Read the Scriptures together, but create traditions and and schedule some things and make sure that they happen. And husbands, this is hard for us, but you've got to be the initiator. You have got to initiate. I promise you, it might feel awkward, it might feel odd because you've never done it before, but she really wants you to step it up. She really wants you to initiate. And so create a home and a marriage and a family that is a place of rest. And and we read verse 1, that's what Naomi wants for Ruth. She wants that security in a husband. It says that she would find rest so that it may be well with her. So that's verse one. We got the rest of the chapter to go so we could be here for hours. I'm just kidding. Don't worry. Verses two through five. Let's, let's, look, at, let's look at Naomi's plan for Ruth and let's, let's kind of break it down a little bit. She says, she says to Ruth, she says, Boaz is, is winnowing barley at the, the threshing floor and Ruth, you're going there. Now, you can just imagine. I, I remember when I was in college, I had this little thing for this this one lady, and uh, some friends kind of pushed me. No, no, go out there. And I was a little, uh, you know, I was a little uh, scared, but I, ha- I had somebody push me a little bit. And so, Naomi's pushing Ruth a little bit. You can imagine she's a little bit intimidated here. And, and so, let me explain uh, for you guys this concept of, of threshing and winnowing, where she's saying, I want you to go to where he's doing the threshing and the winnowing. Now, the threshing floor was this really hard Surface. This hard floor often a, a platform or just up on a on a hill so it was elevated where it was a bit more windy. And, and when threshing, what, what they would do is they would take the stalks, all the stuff, remember they made the sheaves, the bundles, they would take these stalks and they would beat them either with sledgehammers or they would have ox, oxen come and, and, and trample all over them. But they would beat these stalks and, and get all the, all, the, all the grain out that they wanted. And then that's threshing. But then when winnowing, what they would do is they collect it all, take like pitchforks, and then they would take it and sling it in the air. And and as it would go in the air, all the chaff would blow away with the wind, and then the good grain that they wanted would fall to the ground. And so that's threshing and winnowing, and that's what Boaz was doing. And in the little town of Bethlehem, just this little town, the the people shared this one threshing floor. And so Naomi said, I know where he's going to be tonight. He's going to be at the town threshing floor. He's going to be at the the threshing floor. And and so she comes up with this plan. She says, here's what we're going to do, Ruth. We're going to get you to the threshing floor, but you've got to know that, that time is running out. I mean, tonight's the night. You've got you've to go do this. It, we're coming to an end. Listen, her job with with Boaz was like a temp position. They only had you know, seven weeks, and it was running out there at the end of the season, it says, and, and, and so time is running out, and she says, you've got to do this. She comes up with this little idea. Ladies, maybe you've done this before. You've, you've schemed together with a friend to get, the, get, get your... Uh, your, your, your girlfriend to this place where she'd be right there in front of the guy and, and maybe, maybe something wonderful would happen. And so they're, they're, this is just a, a really kind of exciting time, but you can imagine Ruth is probably scared out of her mind. And so Naomi says, Ruth, here's what you're going to do. He's, he's winnowing and he's threshing tonight and, and, and I want you to go and I want you to wash and anoint yourself. Pretty obvious, right? It's time to take a shower it's time to spray on some bath and body work. See, remember the the only time that Boaz has has seen Ruth is when she's in the field working, where her hair's all gross. And girls, this is for you like seeing Mr. Wright on your way out of the gym, right? This is just not the time you wanna see him. And so she's looking all gross. She's got dirt all over her face and she's just not looking very good. And so so Naomi says, All right, I want him to see you looking good. And so you're gonna clean up, you're gonna you're gonna anoint yourself you're gonna put some perfume on and no guys like a stinky lady such wisdom right such wisdom in Naomi here and so Naomi says clean up I want you to put your cloak on I want you to go down there but don't talk to him until he has eaten and he has drank a bit and then lie down by the grain now here's the here's the picture now just picture them doing the winnowing and the threshing and they're taking it and throwing it was actually just a big party this whole winnowing and threshing was a big party because it was a big celebration. It was the time of the, the end of the harvest, and they're, they're celebrating. And it's like they're cashing in, and look at all, look at all this. I mean, they're so excited. It's just a big party, and right in the middle of the party is the winnowing and the threshing. And, and so there's also food, and there's drinks there, and, and, and just, it's just a beautiful, exciting time. And she says, I want you to go there. I want you to put your cloak on. But don't be seen until he is eaten and drunk and, and lied down by the grain. And again, it's this big party. It's this celebration. And, and she says, listen, don't talk to him until he's finished celebrating. It's kind of like, listen, ladies, don't talk to us until we finish our chicken wings. You know what I'm talking about, guys? I mean, you gotta you gotta let him you gotta let the man have his food and then tell him what's going on. So she says, wait, let him eat a little bit. Such such wisdom again. Smell good and then let him eat, and then then talk to him about this serious stuff. After the party is over, she says, wait till he lies down and go to the place where he he lies down. Now, this is where it gets a little weird for us <clears throat> because it's it's a little different than how we do things in, in our culture. But it made complete sense in, in their culture. Here it is. Naomi instructs her, when he's asleep, he's lying down, I want you to go and I want you to uncover his feet. Talking about needing some anointing, right? Uncover his feet, oh my goodness. And, and so Naomi knew that he would be sleeping at this, this public place at Bethlehem's threshing floor and he would be sleeping beside all of his grain. He's going to protect his stuff because it was a public place so she knew he'd be sleeping there so she says when he's he's sleeping there when he goes and and lays down uncover his feet now this was the ceremonial act that was common then that it was very culturally appropriate what it was saying was i need you i need your leadership i am dependent on you and in essence really what naomi is saying to ruth is i want you to go and i want you to propose more or less remind him that you need him as a kinsman Redeemer, where the relative of a late husband would then go and redeem her so that he could also redeem the land and carry on the the family name and, and so she says, "I want you to go, and I want you to remind him of that. I want you to uncover his feet so that he knows that you want him to lead you and this is naomi 's counsel for Ruth. This is her plan now let 's go ahead and, and deal with the elephant in the room if we can, obviously. This council sounds a little bit scandalous. You know what I'm saying? It kind of just sounds a little bit scandalous. Put on your nice clothes. Put on some perfume. When he lays down... Then you go up to him, you uncover his, his feet, and then we read on that she lays down beside him or at the foot of his bed. This sounds a little scandalous. And the general rule of thumb, dads, is if a man lays down, you instruct your daughter to run as far away as possible, right? That, that would be the general rule of, of thumb. And, and keep in mind, bear in mind that this, this advice, this counsel should be coming from a godly father. Now Naomi or Ruth doesn't have a godly father. We know that her father, if if she still has one that's alive, is, is back uh, in Moab. He's worshiping a false god named Chemosh. He has let her go to Bethlehem, where they worship God, completely different than he worships the one true God. As far as he knows, it's just another god, though. And, and so he lets her go. He doesn't provide for her. He, he just sees she's out. He, he's not involved in he's not involved in, in her life at all. And so this council should be coming from a, a godly father, but she didn't, she didn't have one. And, and there are occasions, occasions like this in the church where, where men and women of God should step in and act as the godly parents for those people who don't have godly parents to give them godly counsel. Where I, I pray that we as a church will be people who, when that happens, when we have people without godly parents, that we will step in and we will support them and we will be with them and we will give them the counsel and we will give them the leadership that they need. But generally speaking, dads need to really lead this charge. Dads need to ensure that your daughter's interest, those, those guys love Jesus and that they're prepared for marriage and that they're prepared for the responsibility of providing and protecting your, your daughter. And that means that you really need to be involved in the lives of your daughters. That means that you really need to be involved in her interests. It's very culturally, like, don't go there. It seems so old-fashioned, but our, our modern concept of dating has only been introduced into the culture maybe at best half a century ago. And if you look at the statistics on, on marriage and divorce, since that concept entered into our culture, it's not working. It's just not working. But God's methods work, and so dads, get involved. Get to know the guys in your daughter's lives. Make sure that, that Genesis chapter 2 verse 20, 24 really describes that, that guy, that man, that he's a guy who is leaving his father and mother and he's ready to cleave to a wife. In other words, can he make it without mommy and daddy? You know, the mama's boys, the, the daddy's boys, who, they need everything for mom and dad, but they're not ready to support themselves, let alone your daughter. Does he have a job? Does he have plans to get a job? Does he have some kind of plan, some kind of path? Is he responsible? Can he provide? Does he love Jesus? Absolute must. Is, is he at a place in his life where he can really take your place as the pastor of your, this, this family and, and your daughter? So dads, do not be passive. Be gracious. Give him room to grow show him grace, but don't be passive. Get involved. Ruth doesn't have this, and so her counsel comes from Naomi here. It's one of those Titus 2 moments, if you know Titus 2 in scripture, where we see older women are to instruct younger women, and so Naomi gives some counsel to Ruth, and it's a plan on how to kind of get in in Boaz's way a little bit, and make herself um, known to Boaz, and 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 ladies and men, for that matter, people are going to come to you for counsel. And that is a good thing. That is a biblical thing. Solomon talks often about counsel and and how how a wise man will continue to look for more counsel. And so, counsel is a good biblical thing. However, when they come to you, you must run it through a biblical filter. Because I think naturally, we'll say what the culture says. Well, uh, here's what you should do. But we need to really run it through a, a biblical filter. I've been, I've been in some counseling scenarios. I've been in some church leadership scenarios where, where, where people say, well, here's what I've been doing. We say, well, now who told you to do that? Oh, oh, she did or, or he did. They, they go to our church? What? Not this church. Don't worry. We're only a few weeks old here. They go to our church? Are you serious? And then so we go to them. Now, where did you get that concept? Are you, why would you tell them to do that? Well, Oprah said, or Dr. Phil said, or I thought, and it, it's, it's just not a biblical filter. And so it's good and biblical to give counsel, but it must come from God's word and run through the biblical filter. And so Naomi gives Ruth counsel, advice, and man, as I've been studying this week, this counsel is really hard. I mean, this is, this is some really hard counsel to teach because it's really risky. I mean, it is, it is really risky. She tells Ruth, a Moabite. Now, remember, Moabites were known for sexual perversion. She tells Ruth, this, this, this Moabite, with likely a bad history, to go to this man after a night of celebration, and when he lays down to go and to approach him, And so commentators are are debating all over the place about Naomi's intentions, that she have good intentions, that she have bad intentions. But there is no debate, and I'm not even going to go there, but there is no debate over the intention of Ruth, and there is no debate over the intention of Boaz. They are, uh, he's a man of God, she's a woman of God. And in verse 5, Ruth says to Naomi after this council, she says, all that you say, I will do. She says, I'm going to do it. I'm with you. You're you're, my mother, you're so to speak, and, and I'm with you. So let's read now verses 6 through 9 if we can. So she went down. Here's how she executes his plan. She went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And at midnight the man was startled, and he turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet, And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So what happens? Ruth executes Naomi's plan, and she cleans up, sprays on the perfume. She goes to the party. She waits for the man to finish eating his chicken wings, a celebration. When he lies down, she softly comes up to him. She uncovers his feet. It's a bit of a proposal. And, and she says, I, I, I am, am, am ready to be under your leadership. I, I want to unite with you. And, and then she lies down, and it says at midnight, he wakes up to find a woman lying down. Something startled him at midnight. He wakes up, and there she is. And where does it say that she's lying down? At his feet. So nothing inappropriate, nothing inappropriate. She's at his feet, at the foot of the bed. And he asks, who are you? And she responds, it's Ruth. And then she says this. Catch this. She says, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Now, notice this word wings here. And remember remember what, what Boaz said in chapter 2, verse 12. I'll just read it for you again. Chapter 2, verse 12, he said, the Lord repay you, Ruth, for, for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so he prays that God would cover her with his wings. And and so now she's saying to Boaz, what? She's saying, I want you to be that wing. I want you to be the instrument that God uses to provide for me. I want you to be the means by which God provides refuge for me. I want you to care for me. I want you to marry me. Now, some other translations say, that he he puts his blanket over her, Put your blanket over me, she's asking. And in the Hebrew, this, this can be translated both ways, wings or blankets. Now, this is really delicate, and, and so I want to make sure to get this right for you. But putting a, a blanket over a woman then was this, this again, another ceremonial uh, equivalent for us, like putting an engagement ring on a girl by putting the blanket over her and and, and and going and putting a blanket over her was a bit of a demonstration of sorts saying, I want you to marry me. I want you to sleep in my bed. I want you to live with me. I want you to be my wife. I want to care for you. I want to take care of you and provide and protect you. Put my blanket over you. Put my ring on your finger. And this was completely risky for her to say, Spread your wing over me or cover me with the edge of your 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 blanket. This is very risky, and and let me just kind of give you some some reasons why. It's risky because, first of all, it's it's a female asking a male in that culture and in our culture. It was very risky because it was a Moabite asking a Hebrew. It was an employee asking the employer. It was a, a poor person asking a wealthy person. It was a younger person asking an older person. And so you can imagine, she must have been unbelievably nervous I mean I just think back to when I was asking my father-in-law if I could uh if I could marry his daughter I I've never been so nervous in my life and I actually tried it about five times and every time I just couldn't get it out you know so every time I'd show up like with intentions and he's probably thinking what is he what's why is he why is he all nervous and sweating and then I just walked away later but eventually it came out and I asked him but for her she can she's nervous she's nervous and it's risky and and gutsy but this, this outrageous plan of of Naomi that, that Ruth is executing was really, the point here is that it was a huge, huge example of these ladies exercising faith. They're exercising faith because they know that if this doesn't happen, they're not going to be taken care of. and They're saying, God, we're trusting you to take care of us, and so we're going to exercise faith and do this thing that is just against all the cultural taboos. It was just a huge, risky step of faith. And, and I, I found this quote this week um, from, from a famous missionary named Hudson Taylor. He was this great missionary, one of the great missionaries of our, of our uh, day and age and just incredible man of God. He, he started China Inland Missions. A lot of what God is doing in China today is because of the, the, just the tilling of the soil of, the, of this man of God that he did. And here's what he said. He said, unless there's an element of risk, there is no need for faith. You ever thought about that? If there's no risk, it's it's not faith because you're comfortable. You're not trusting on on God. And so what these girls do is very, very, very risky. And if there was any potential for any kind of inappropriate behavior on this threshing floor, if there was, I don't really think there was, but if there was, Boaz shuts it down real quick. Because look what he says, verse 10. And he said... May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. So, any potential for inappropriate behavior, he just prays for. It. He says, let me just pray for you right here. And so he shuts, he shuts it down quick, if there was any potential. And again, I don't think there was. And here's what he doesn't do. It's the middle of the night, all this craziness, and then he wakes up and there's a girl right there in, by, by the foot of his bed. And, and what he doesn't do is he doesn't manipulate a lady, which was a, a, probably an easy opportunity for that, I mean, she's desperate. She just posed to the question to him, "What do you want me to do?" He doesn't manipulate her. She's very vulnerable. What he does is he prays for her. He treats her with respect. He treats her with with love. I mean, this is risky, but Boaz is a wonderful man of God. And as we saw earlier in the book, at the beginning of chapter two, this word that described Boaz, worthy, says he was a worthy man, which means he's worthy of our imitation. He's a worthy, worthy man. So guys, dads especially, we are to imitate this man. Let's read his full response to her. Look at verse 10. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. He prays for her. You have made this last kindness greater than your first in that you have not gone after young young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So it's the climax of the story. She's, she's put this proposal out there. What's he going to do? What's he going to say? He answers it, and he, he commends her. He says, look, Ruth, wow. Thank you so much. This, this is so kind. You could have gone after after young guys he 's saying listen you could have, you could have easily found somebody else. You could have found somebody else. He says, whether poor or rich, so listen, you could have found somebody younger and you could have found a, a young and rich guy i know you 're poor, but you could have probably found a young and rich guy he 's saying listen you 're out of my league. You are so out of my league. You just kind of see that humility of this guy, Boaz, here for us to to follow. G- girls, look for a man of God. Look for a man of, of God. You don't just run after what the culture tells you to run after, but look for a man of God. It sounds like not only is he a little bit older, but maybe, we don't know, but maybe he probably wasn't the best looking guy in the world, but he had a job. <laughs> he, he, had, he had money. He, he loved the Lord. He was chivalrous. He has this reputation at work to be a godly man, as we read earlier in, in chapter 2. He treats Ruth really, really well. And, and ladies, that's what you want. And men, that's what you want to be. Because looks are going to fail. It's only a matter of time. It is only a matter of time they're going to fail. And, and so he says to Ruth, Ruth, thank you for your kindness. Oh, thank you so much. You could have had younger guys, younger and wealthier guys, he goes on. You're, you're kind. And then he says, do not fear, which is a really cool phrase right in the middle of the night here do not fear i will protect i will not manipulate i will care for you i will accept you and then he continues on he says the townsmen know that you are a worthy woman so again it's that word worthy which is the same word by the way ladies that that is used in proverbs 31 which is the woman that you are to strive to be a proverbs 31 woman read it study it go strive to be that woman it's the same word worthy and it's also that word that's used to describe Boaz, again, chapter 2. He's a worthy man. And so what it's saying is they're both worthy. Paul refers to this in, in, in 2 Corinthians as, as being equally yoked. They're, they're both worthy. They're both wor- worthy. They're so, they're so different, but they're worthy. She was a Moabite. He was a Hebrew. She was poor. He was wealthy. She's a new believer. He had a long history in the Lord. They didn't have much in common. But God in his sovereignty says, I'm going to make you equal spiritually. Spiritually equal. And in, in a spouse, that's what you want. If you're already yoked to somebody who is, who is not there, God, God wants to keep you in that position, wants to grow you in that, and you're to show the love of Christ to that spouse who's not there. However... If you're not there yet, look for somebody who is equally yoked with you spiritually. It says they are both worthy. She has a a great reputation now in the town as a woman of God who is worthy. And God has done a really, really great work here in bringing these two together. It's just really, really incredible. These ladies have exercised great faith. They stepped out, did something very risky, almost appeared scandalous to us. They stepped out, and God answered, now there's a snag. Now, in the, in the romance, there's always a snag, right? Any romance movie, you, you, you get to that part in the movie, and they're ready, and they're almost there. You can just, it's just so close, and then suddenly, bam, something happens, and they're separated, or there's another guy that comes in. It's just, it's, that's, that's romance for you, and there's a snag here. He says, there is a redeemer closer than I, and, and there's a bit of a snag, and based on the law, Boaz was only the second in line so he was a second in line and and he he says here's what i want you to do i want you to stay here tonight at the foot of the bed mind you he's protecting her he doesn't want her to go out in the middle of the night he says stay here tonight and in the morning i will i will settle this issue so let's let's look at verse 14 morning comes so she lay at his feet until the morning But arose before one could recognize another, and he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. So he's protecting her testimony. He's protecting his testimony. Don't tell anybody about this past evening, what's going on. I don't want any inappropriateness. I don't want the town gossips to talk about you negatively. And so he's just constantly, this whole, whole book is just him constantly, more and more and more and more and more provision, which is a great illustration to us of the unending grace of Christ in our lives and so again he's protecting and providing for her a positive reputation now let's read on look at verse 15 through the end of the chapter and he said bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out and so she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her then she went into the city and when she came to her mother-in-law she said how did you fare my daughter and then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And she replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how this matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. So, Boaz is good. He's really good. What Boaz does here is he gives a gift of barley for her mother-in-law. Good call, Boaz, right? Good call. She's become a mother figure. She's become a friend and, and, and single guys out there, you got to know that the mom and the girlfriends come as a part of the package, right? And so Ruth uh, Ruth brings to Naomi this gift from Boaz, very, very smooth move, but a, a really beautiful symbol that he's not just taking care of Ruth, but he's going to be taking care of Naomi as well. I mean, he's really just a great man of God seeking to be a, a true redeemer and providing and, and you can just imagine, as, as Ruth tells Naomi, everything that's taken place, right, just the excitement, right? You can remember, I mean, I've seen it happen time and time again, people our age, getting married and getting engaged. And the girls are on the phone for, you know, the whole next day, right? They're on the phone for the whole next day calling their friends, telling the engagement story over and over and over and over again. And then on Facebook, there's like a million different pictures of every angle of the ring that you could possibly imagine. The, you know, every for like the next Three months, every picture of the girl, it's like her hand is strategically placed where everybody can see the ring. You know, it's, it's hilarious. And so she's giddy, and she's, she's talking about you, you, everything that had happened. Let me tell you, everything that he has done, and, and they're just so excited. And, and he's just this wonderful man of God, and he's done this, and, and God has brought this Redeemer. It's just a beautiful picture of what he's done, and he has served this, this woman God through a man of God and 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 next week we'll work out the snag and we'll talk about that a little more But on father's day. I want to end with with just some exhortation for for the men here I I want us to really be mindful of of Boaz be mindful of what he's done and the example That he's he's set for us And, and I just want us to take to heart the teachings of this chapter the example of this chapter that we too would be men who really strive to follow the Lord, that we would create a home that, as we saw in verse 1, is a place of rest. It is a secure place for our wives and our children, that we are meeting not only physical but spiritual, emotional needs, that like Boaz, we would be men of character. Like Boaz, we would be mindful of the needs around us and not just our and our family's needs, that we would really broaden that, that edge, as Ben was talking about earlier, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that we would, we would serve well, that we would be men of, of God. And, and I pray that for you, men, this, this Father's Day, that we would leave being encouraged, exhorted to, to do that, to become that man. And it is not natural. It, it's going to take some steps of faith. It's going to feel risky. It's going to feel awkward to do things that maybe you've never done before. But God will honor it. And, and no matter how awkward and odd it is, your, your family is going to appreciate it. They're going to appreciate it. They want you you to step up and to be the man of God that that he's calling you to be. And I also want us to see how Boaz, for all of us, is this wonderful picture of the redemption found in Jesus. He's a great picture of Jesus where Jesus comes into our lives and, and does for us what he doesn't have to do, but he gladly does it. Boaz doesn't have to do it. It wasn't his responsibility. He was the second guy in line. But he gladly, gladly does it, much like Christ, who gladly says, I'm going to hop on a cross, and I'm going to die the death that, that I don't deserve to give you the life that you don't deserve. And I'm going to be your redeemer, that if you would trust in me, and you would put your faith in me, wow, you will be so blessed. And, and, and like the marriage vow says, here's Ruth and Boaz coming together like Like the marriage vow says when I I perform marriages, we say forsaking all others, right, uniting with each other, that we with Christ would forsake everything else and we would say, Jesus, you're it, you're what I'm alive for because you have blessed me beyond belief. You have given me limitless amounts of grace and I just want to follow you and I want to unite with you and trust in you because you did for me what you didn't have to and you gave me what I don't deserve. And so I would invite you, if you've never given your life to Christ, that maybe today would be the day that you would say, Jesus, I want you. I want to place faith in you. I want to follow you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this gift. Now help me to live the life that you've called me to, a life that honors you. Can we just pray? Why don't we just pray? Father, God, we thank you so much for just the truths of, of this chapter of the book of Ruth. Lord, we thank you for What you've done in in this this girl's life, that you would bring her redemption. And that your redemption knows no limits, that it spills over to Naomi, that it's just this beautiful picture of how your grace has no end for us, Lord. And Lord, no matter where we're at in life, I pray that we would see that, that you are extending your hand and you're saying, I want to give you something you don't deserve. I want to give you life, I want to give you freedom from the the chains of sin and death. God, I pray that we would say, yes, Lord, I'll take that. That We would unite with you, forsaking all others to cleave to you. Lord, I pray for the fathers in this room. Lord, I I just ask that you would empower them by your spirit to be the men that you want them to be. Lord, I pray for, for those dads in here who it feels a little late in the game. Lord, that they would not be weighted down by guilt and by shame, because that's a tool of Satan. They would say, yes, I want to step up and and, and take advantage of of the time that I have left. I want to pour into my, my, my children. So, Father, I pray that we would be the men that you called us to be. Bless our families. I know that when we have strong families, we will have a strong church do a great work in us Lord we thank you for salvation we thank you for Jesus we thank you for your scriptures that teach us about Jesus and we just commit this 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 gathering to you Lord and pray for these these next couple of songs that we're going to sing that we would connect with you and if, if we need to that we would do some business with you and so Lord we love you we praise you and thank you in Jesus name amen